Welcome to another episode of the Relax Just Love podcast. Uh, I have the pleasure to be sitting with Shazzy. Don't ask for a last name. She's like Madonna. She only has a first name. For those who don't know, she is a retired business owner, best-selling author, and now she helps coaches, healers, and health freak get their online business up and running. Is that right? Am I right here? You you said it exactly perfectly. Thank you. I yeah. copied what you sent me, so I'm not that smart. <laughs> Very good acting then. Lovely to be here. <laughs> well, nice to meet you. Thank you for being here. Um We were having a very interesting conversation. I didn't realize I'd be speaking about one of my favorite subjects today, but we were talking about psychedelics. Um, for those who don't know what psychedelics are, we could call it hallucinogens. For It's incorrect, but at least you probably know what we're talking about. Um, so seems like you're... You like to elevate your consciousness. Let's, I'll, I'll, I'll say it that way. I like to meet my higher self sometimes. Mm. <laughs> my lower self, little me, messes up quite a lot, usually around the same things, you know. I think it's called lessons that you don't learn. Um, but my higher self is just sat there cheering me on in the fifth, fifth dimensional world with glittery um, pom-poms made of plasma, and it's awesome. Uh, how did... How did that start? How did you get into, because we were talking about ayahuasca, we're talking about ibogaine. We, those are not street drugs, let's say that. It's not something that your local pusher is going to sell you. So how did you end up getting into it? Um, well, let's, let's go right back to the beginning when okay. I was 16 and I turned veggie and started meditating. And that was a long time ago. That was like 1986. So it was a really long time ago. <laughs> and I was meditating and I was trying to figure myself out at that point. And then I turned vegan at 18, so 1988. And, um, <clears throat> you know, there was no internet, there was no mobile phones, there was nothing. So I was trying to find myself, I guess, but with really limited access to everything and I was in the middle of um, Norfolk in England which isn't known for being very forwards um, and I searched and searched and searched and the thing that made me feel the best out of everything was when I went vegan then when I went raw in 2000 that made me feel great but I still kind of felt like there's something not right search 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 I found somebody, oh, I went I went and had my tarot cards read, and this guy says, you need a shaman. So the next thing I know, I'm standing in my friend's kitchen, boiling a kettle, and a really tall man is standing next to me, and I said, oh, hi, I'm Shazzy. He goes, yes, I know. Um, <laughs> I went, what's your name? He goes, Sean. I said, well, what do you do? He goes, I'm a shaman. I'm like, oh, right, there you are. <laughs> so I met this guy, Sean, and um, to cut a really long story short, we ended up running um, a business together it was in we've got a room a, a kind of a building next to my house and we we had that for eight years and we we ran a shamanic temple in there so we did um, ayahuasca we did iboga we did cambo and that's a bit of a contentious subject for me because it's a frog product um, and I in, in the end stopped doing it because it didn't sit well with me um, And yeah, there were, I think there were a few mushrooms going on at some point, but I'm not sure. <laughs> You're not sure? Not sure, because of the way the law is. <laughs> um, and then, 
yeah, so I started before we were running this place, I started doing ayahuasca with him, with Sean, in very small groups and stuff like that. And <clears throat> I remember the first time I did it. Um, so I'd had my daughter by this point, she was three and she was still breastfeeding. And um, I got a dad to take her overnight so that I could do ayahuasca. It's like my first night away from my child for three years. And um, so I did this ayahuasca and it was like, um, I saw heaven and hell in equal amounts. And I realized that that was actually my brain. And this is how I operated. So much of the time I'm away with the fairies and going, oh, life's amazing. And then really awful dramatic things happening. <laughs> And I'm like, I've got to learn somehow to integrate my brain, to integrate this heaven and hell feeling so that I can feel whole and undivided in myself. And that journey just, it took years. And I'm not saying that ayahuasca or iboga actually did heal me, but they were massively influential in, in the direction of my life and in how I saw the universe and my place in it. Uh, I think the best way I could explain it for pe for the people out there that's never tried it, all of your senses from the age of five years old, your brain develops your a filter, if you may, it's in your front cortex, and all the information around you gets filtered through that cortex, and then is sent to the appropriate portion in your brain that will deal with the information. The filter is responsible for filtering out what you want to see, what you need to know and all the things that you don't need to know, like where a handle is on the door. You don't need to look at the handle to know that it's there. Your brain knows it will direct your hand there. Next thing you know, you're on the other side of the door. Unfortunately, that makes life a lot easier. Like It makes your life a lot more streamlined, if you may, but you miss a lot of what's going on around you. Ayahuasca, Iboga, Psilocybin, LSD, just pop that filters off. Let's your eyes talk to your nose. That's why you're seeing smell and you're feeling colors. It's, uh, yes, it's scary. I never know what's going to happen. Every single time I've done some, I'm just, once you swallowed whatever you're doing, you know that you're, Okay, let's. I have no control anymore. Let's see what happens. <laughs> but it is the most one of the most freest emotions, feelings you can have is just knowing that no matter what happens, eventually it will go away. You might not enjoy that four hours, but I guarantee you that after it's done, you have something to learn from. You you will not realize it right now. That's why your integration portion is so important afterwards but what an amazing amazing feeling to be able to to experiment with those substances yeah and they're natural apart from absolutely LSD. absolutely <laughs> which it, has its own qualities um they're natural and iboga and ayahuasca have been used um for rites of passage in yeah. the Gabon and in south america for, for forever you know so that's how that's how they become adults, and that's you know they they use um, cambo for for hunting so, because it gives them better vision. So there's many reasons, and also it's a natural inoculation. Um, yeah. 
So <laughs> there are many reasons why people use these things in their natural settings. I think, you know, we have to, these days, we've got to be slightly aware that, that there has been a little bit of a ravaging of these areas. And yeah. that's not cool. And I actually think that all places have their own um, plant messengers. Yep. If only we opened our eyes to them and we could have our own, like, like in the UK, you know, they're on the ground um, everywhere. So <laughs> um, they exist in muscaria. You know, uh, the mushroom muscaria? No. The, oh, it's the mushroom the Celtics consumed and started to invent Santa Claus. Uh, like the Santa Claus tradition oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. comes from Amunisca muscaria. Um, it, yeah, I, I always destroy the name, but it literally grows in my front yard. I have a hallucinogen right in front of me about two or three weeks a year. <laughs> so they're everywhere. We, we get them. They look like um, fairies footsteps because they just trail all the way through the forests here. They're just beautiful. Um, and, you know, the stories of people dying by using them. There's the, the only ones where, where people die is when they choke on their own vomit. It's not actually the thing that's actually killing them. But this is why it's an important point when you're doing anything like that. First yeah. of all, it's got to be legal in the country you're in. And secondly, you've got to have someone with you, especially if you don't know what you're doing, because they are strong. They're very, very strong. There's, um, there's two things, I think, and considering that you've run those ceremonies before, you'll probably agree with this, but the biggest problematic that I see, and I used to do this when I was a young kid, I used to take those hallucinogens like LSD, mescaline, and all of those in wrong settings mm. with the wrong mindset with other idiots just like me that had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. So having a shaman, having a, uh, somebody that runs a ceremony, having people there to help you when something and when I say something bad, it's not something bad physically, but mentally, what those substances bring up, mm. it comes from deep within. And a lot, if you haven't done a lot of meditation, a lot of self-exploration, it's like a slap and it's more like a baseball bat in the face. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. Next thing you know, you're on the toilet with very liquidy stuff coming out both ends. Both ends so. and you don't know which way to go on the toilet. <laughs> So having That's people glamorous. there that are used to it, that know what they're doing to guide you to say, okay, I'll go with you in the bathroom. It's all good. We'll be fine. You have an extra bucket. Don't worry. Yeah. I know. I mean, yeah. with Voga, with you've got to wear it all white in the ceremonies. Um, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. You don't want well, to wear it all white when it's all coming out. <laughs> Iboga, I thought Iboga came from Africa, but you're talking about it like it's in South America. I no, ayahuasca was South America and yeah. the Gabon in Africa. Okay, so it is from Africa because I've yeah. only heard about it. I've never, never had the chance to try it. Never. Well, where you are, I don't know what the law is. I know they have a lot of ibogaine there because they use it as a cure for opiate yep. addiction. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an immediate cure, like four or five days or something. So a lot of medical centers have it. But ibogaine, <clears throat> how can I put this? Ibogaine is an extract. And iboga, the wood that you put in your mouth that tastes, that is like sawdust and you have to drink it with fizzy water to get it down, is it's the whole thing. So it's the spirit. And I really believe strongly in, in ingesting the whole spirit and not the extract. I have had ibogaine drops and they are amazing for daily anti-anxiety and stuff like that. They are amazing. Oh, like um, microdosing? 
like microdosing yeah. on psilocybin yeah it is um because yeah. you, you know you're not putting yourself into a state with it you could yeah. you wouldn't want to on your own um yeah, probably but, yeah. not <laughs> but every like every day just taking a couple of drops has been really useful for me in various circumstances in my life the i, I agree with you i find the the natural aspect of them like the ayahuasca that i've consumed here in canada i can trail it back to peru yeah. the guy every time i've done three ceremonies with him and every time he tells you exactly what it is where it came from who made it what are the plants that were added to the roots what was it boiled with he can tell you what's in there and he's been getting it there from 15 or 20 years amazing and it's just the extract, as you said, or because there's things like 5-MeO, that's the extract, mm -hmm. the, the synthesized version yeah. of what comes off the frog. Yeah. I can't remember what the, the real, uh, I think you said it earlier. What, the cambo? Yeah, cambo. If you take yeah. the 5-MeO, which is the compound that's creating the effect, you can synthesize it. It's more, it's uh flatter as in because when you get it from the frog sometimes it's good sometimes it's not sometimes it's very strong sometimes it's mm -hmm. weak when you synthesize it it's more regular all the time but i don't yeah, know you lose if you lose that personal if you lose that touch with nature when it's synthesized it's like I don't know. doing dmt or acid or you know those extracted things as well you know yeah. there are there are um benefits that have been proven however um, I, I'm all for going natural unless I'm yeah. dying, <laughs> which I recently yeah. almost did. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm all for natural stuff. I'm not totally anti-medicine, but if I can try the natural stuff first, I always will, because our bodies are made to recognize it in a different way. And I really believe that, you know, we're not made for extracts in, and powders and stuff like that there's i think there's an aspect to that that's being lost too is not only the natural remedy but the mindset and the spiritual aspect to things i i speak about meditation to some of my clients and they look at me as in oh i've tried for years i was never been i've never been able to do it and in my head i'm just so basically what you're saying is you're not able to stop moving for five minutes i don't even care what goes on in your head like at the beginning, I don't even care what goes on in your head. Sit down somewhere for five minutes without moving. That's all I'm asking you. It's not Sit that complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't talk. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> it's funny. Um, you know, I've I've been on that meditation thing for a really long time, like I said, but I've had on and off times of it. And at one point in my life, I was like, this this really is difficult. And I thought, you know what? I think it's more hard for women because we are natural multitaskers. You know, we've got a baby on a boob, we're shelling peas we're cleaning and we're having a conversation and for us to like stop doing that when all those things have to happen we're not actually programmed for that and I think doing moving meditation as a woman is a nicer thing to do I know it has different effects effects but um that's how I had to do it when I was um you know attachment parenting because I was I was a single mum and I had my child on my boob all the time that was my way of finding a bit of sanity was doing the moving meditation and it worked for me at that point. Then I then I read that people with trauma, PTSD and CPTSD, of which I've had, shouldn't meditate because it 
it can affect the way the, the brain is working adversely. So I thought, well, maybe that's why I've struggled with it as well. So your clients, <laughs> maybe in one of those categories. <laughs> I think you made a very good point. It took me eight years of trying in order to turn it into a regular practice that I've been doing for probably two years, maybe more that I've been doing it every day. But I had to find something that spoke to me. Mm. There's ways, because I've read a lot in Buddhism. I've read a lot of Buddhist books, a lot of different strategies to use. But they always came back to trying to clear your mind, which never made sense to me. I wake up at three o'clock in the morning with million dollar ideas. I'm like, I'm writing stuff in my bed. So don't ask me to, I can sit there for an hour, not move. But not to have ideas, it's never going to happen. Yeah, It's the day that I realized, you know what? Music affects me in a very strange way. Mm -hmm. And I put headphones. I'll sit there and I'm just no problem. I concentrate on the music and I'm just present. That's it. But it took me years to find that out. There's no books that ever told me that spoke to me. It's just trying upon trying upon trying different things. So I, I would understand that moving meditation actually works for you that's interesting but i it's good even yoga you know just getting into that place where you know you're setting aside 10 minutes every morning and night where you you're in your yoga space doing that because thought does stop when the body moves for me you know i'm not i'm not a buddhist monk (laughs) for many reasons um and bless them for being so amazing that they can just stop and be still but I can't. And so doing yoga really stills my mind and gives me an inner peace feeling and that joyful feeling. Um, but also listening to um, positive stuff. Like I, I've listened to Abraham forever and I've just had a big resurgence in listening to Abraham. So when I was in hospital, I've, I got my mom to bring my headphones for me and all I did was listen to Abraham because all I wanted was pure positive thoughts you know, there was everyone going, what if you die? <laughs> I'm like, well, what if I don't? <laughs> Let's listen to this. And and that really changes the way your brain works as well. And I just think, you know, we can, um, getting back to like the ayahuasca and, and stuff, we can try really hard to get stuff out of us to, you know, we do need to in some ways because trauma and stuff is somatic. We need to get it out of ourselves. But we can also just go, right, here's a level level playing field. Here's the past. Here's now. Here's the future. Let me grow these lovely new shoots with positive thought, amazing food, movement, good conversation, positive people, not engaging in online arguments, etc. Let's just do that. We're not spiritual bypassing. We're going to address our stuff, but we're not going to do it every second of the day. We're going to start finding the enjoyment and the love out of life. And I really believe that that's how we should all be living now you know now we've all been through this crazy pandemonium (laughs) you know the what changed my mind or the way i see things is i i'm not a buddhist monk as you said i don't live in a temple somewhere so most of their teachings makes no sense to my normal life if i want to continue living what i consider my life but it's be what changed what changed me and why i'm such a strong believer in meditation is mindfulness just to be sitting there realizing that, okay, yeah, my no, my my dog is poking me with her wet nose on my on my left side, but I'm not reacting to it. I'm just I'm there. I'm feeling it. I she'll go away eventually, and 
just to be in the moment, just to experience what it is. That is something, though, that you can apply to absolutely every aspect of your life. To you're in a conversation with someone, oh, you're like, mm, maybe I've talked, I'm talking too much, I'm not listening enough. Just being able to bring it back to the moment and just mm. see it for what it is without simply reacting. Yeah. Self awareness is um, quite difficult. Hardest thing, <laughs> hardest thing ever. It's <laughs> it sucks. It sucks. It's hard. It's very. And we just hard. think we've got it right, and then someone comes along and and triggers us, and then we become yeah. the other thing again that we were trying to get away from. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, my sister. I, I've been on that path for quite a few years now, and my sister is about the only person on the planet right now that's still able to get a raise out of me. And she does it on purpose. She'll never admit to it, but she'll she'll on purpose piss me off and then look at me and say, wow, all that meditation doesn't really work well, does it? <laughs> like she, so yes, that drives me. I'm not mad at her. I'm mad at me. I'm like, well, it's can... for you to see the contrast though, isn't it? Like, oh, hey, right. Yeah. I, I'm not there yet. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not there yet. It's but being there. Yeah, there there's a reason why she's there. Yeah, exactly. You know, what would how would you know when you're there if it wasn't for your sister? It's a good question. <laughs> it's a very good question. You might go yeah. around feeling like you're all enlightened and getting all spiritually superior on us if you didn't have your sister. You know, the only advantage of me not seeing my sister very often is the fact that I can see the growth within the period that I'm not seeing her. Yeah. I saw her this summer and it had been a year because of all that's uh, all the magical stuff that's happening around <laughs> us right now. And I I can see that she hasn't changed the way she's still the same, but yet the way I react to her is not the same at all. So I think those those months <laughs> in between our meetings is a good thing. The it's episodes are getting smaller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just do more ayahuasca, you'll be fine. <laughs> well, that wasn't a prescription. <laughs> you, you know, that is one thing I would love to do. I would love to be able to do that with my mother and do that with my sister. Mm. My ex did that. When I attended a ceremony where she was there with her brother and her mother and they have a lot of issues between her and her mother and they were literally laying one next to each other so you had the brother the mother in the middle and the and my ex and they held hands for a good portion of it it was she had great moments like she her mother spent her time crying and screaming mm -hmm. and it is part of it yeah it's it's so self-revealing and this is why I use it. I don't use it because of the ceremony itself. Like there's mm. great people. It's amazing. I've had great experience. I've had very bad experience where I did not enjoy it at all. But <laughs> every single... <laughs> no, because every single time I got, you know, the saying that uh, DMT will give you what you need, not what you want. And that's what happens. It always puts me in a place where it, when I say it's bad, it's because it makes me confront something that I don't necessarily like about myself and I need to deal with. It's putting it in my face as in, hey, jackass, 
you know that deal with this you need to do something <laughs> have a about it. With it. Here it, is again. <laughs> yeah. Here it, is again. it gets so tedious doesn't it it's like can't you show me some other aspect of me that's awesome no look at this <laughs> and i think what else ayahuasca does that people don't really talk about is everyone gets a different message Absolutely. everyone gets a different experience because you get what you need it's not a one size fits all it's not like you go you do it you have some visions then you come out it's you get you access your own subconscious mind yeah. <laughs> and you're scraping through the basement <laughs> finding all these broken toys and you're like oh i've got to fix this it but you can't fix it there and then you have to wait until you come out and integrate those things into your real life and then when you do it again if you get a slightly better experience you're like okay it's showing me that i fixed some stuff in my life yeah. let's see what else there is now and then you get another level <laughs> my last experience was life absolutely life-changing and as a cherry on so i did a ceremony on the friday and one on the saturday the friday was fucking weird just weird weird it was not pleasant it was just strange and i did not enjoy it i was i, I i'm able to get a hold of myself it's fine it is i understand that it's gonna it's going to stop at one point, but it was just uncomfortable. Let's call it that. But then the day after was the complete opposite. I've had the best experience in my life that I've ever had. It has connected me to nature. And on top of that, it showed me, because have you? do you meditate on ayahuasca? Because I, I do that all the time. I This blows my mind. I would love ayahuasca almost on a daily basis just yeah. to meditate. <laughs> and um, yeah i've done like when we did our ceremonies it was all about doing it in presence rather than music and dancing. so no music at all um little bits but like hours of nothing and then maybe a song okay. <laughs> and were then you okay with people leaving with people no going on their own people couldn't leave no you had to lie down um no one could leave it's a held space because you know what? My last one was the first time we did it when it was still sunny outside. Oh. And I did it. It was 28 degrees Celsius outside. Perfect. No wind. The guy's place is in the middle of the woods, similar to where I live. And I got to go outside, lay on the ground. Yeah. And I was by myself. There was nobody else. Everybody was inside. I was alone. Yeah. staying in grass and I was communicating with nature through thoughts and I opened I you know what brought me back is the guy has three hummingbirds that are always coming to his house so he feeds them that sugary water and I they were right here right behind wow. me so I'm laying in the grass by myself and all I hear is and i'm like and in my head i'm like what the fuck is this <laughs> and i open my eyes and all i see is whoop, things just leaving so i had the three hummingbirds right next to me like as i'm <laughs> i don't know what they were doing but i was on the ground holding grass and i could see the lungs of the earth moving mm -hmm. the grass it's like the fact that i was able to go outside by myself and meditate there changed i learned a new way to meditate yeah that day crazy absolutely crazy yeah we've done it in an open yurt before just outside my house and yeah. and that was you know inside outside and we just kept going out and 
I mean, just being, just, just, feel, just feeling everything, like feeling the stars yeah. <laughs> and the moon. Yeah. And the way the air moves around you so differently. Oh, God. I remember it now as if it was yesterday, but it was quite a long time ago because of when the laws changed and everything. But, oh, yeah, maybe time to do it again at some point if I can find it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it works in the UK, but in Canada, it's, I know for me, it's very easy to find. Yeah. But I, think I don't in know in the UK. parts of Europe, it's still legal. Um, but I ain't traveling anywhere at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, no, understood. Um, It's it's interesting how it changes your perspective on everything. Everybody has such a... Anybody that's not implicated in that world has very Mm. strong opinions as to what how bad those things are. Yeah. But yet, I think, uh, you know, the the podcaster, uh, Joe Rogan, he's a big, 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 big fan of psychedelics and he does them all the time. And he said something in one of his podcasts that I, it, it, it really vibrates with me. He said that any politicians or any person in, in a position mm-hmm. of power should not be allowed into office unless they do DMT, ayahuasca, psilocybin, whichever, unless they do a few ceremonies of those. Yeah. They should not be allowed to leave. Uh, I couldn't agree more. It's a brilliant <laughs> thing. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Everyone should do psychedelics, yoga, and vegan raw food. <laughs> um, you know, not that there is a should, but, you know, if there was a should, then they should. I, <laughs> I think the thing with people in power is they are a specific type of person. They're usually, like, psychopathic in nature. And normal people wouldn't take those jobs. Like, very few people, you know, I think Marianne Williamson ran for some sort of political thing at some point in the States. But very, very rarely do um, non-psychopathic people run for those jobs? It's just not what normal normal people <laughs> want to do. So you're always going to get the crazy ones in power, always. And I don't know how to stop them, apart from if we open our minds up rather than say that they should open their minds up and let people know how amazing that is, and then they maybe will stop voting for them and then maybe some revolutions happen. I don't know. I'm not saying that's what should happen. I've I've pondered what you're saying for a long time. And it is absolutely true. Psychologically wise, there is sociopath or psychopaths. Those are the people that normally run big businesses. Mm. The people that look for office, that looks to gain power over people, if you may. Because it does take a special type of mind to be able to say, to take a very bad decision for the bigger portion of this. Of, let's say that you have a company and you need to cut 100 employees just before Christmas. It takes a special type of person to say, you know what? I need to close my year with profit. I'm getting rid of those people so I can start better next year. Mm-hmm. Not, I wouldn't be able to do that. I couldn't do that to people. No. And no. I, it, I think it stems from uh, the lack of mentors and guides that we have as younger i know as a man i did not have guidance as a young man and this is something that has hurt me and took me a lot of time to figure out and i got to idolize all the wrong people because i was looking for a guide without Mm -hmm. the intelligence of knowing what are the qualities of a good guide so i was just looking for what i thought what a strong man 
mm-hmm. at all the wrong places. But I think our whole society is like that now. We allow our children to idolize psychopath, mm-hmm. and then we're we're wondering why our society's down the garbage. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, we can easily get persuaded by psychopaths, by cults, um, (laughs) any any of those things, because we're looking to belong to something that our our culture or society that we're in um, doesn't give us. You know, so those things might give you attention. They might listen to you. Um, They might make you feel something that you haven't felt in your own culture. Um, They just might make you feel excited about adventuring in life. And they seem like glittering prizes, but they're not. They're really awful things. And I know a lot of people who who are kind of, you know, they, they wake up um, really early in their lives and then they get caught into these awful traps because there, there are no elders anymore. Yeah. You know, like I was saying to you earlier about the rites of passage that these original psychedelics were in our cultures there are so few elders i've got um, a friend who lives down the road eight miles away he's 86 and is one of the first shaman that was in the uk (laughs) and he's still working and he's like well if i don't work what else would i do and he said i want to create a whole new culture of elders so that younger people have got somebody to go to somebody to guide them and someone to help them. So they're not looking to these um, psychopaths and cults and all the other things that exist. We need more of that. We, we need a lot of goal. different stuff. <laughs> you know, that's my main goal. That's is it? The, oh yeah. I will separate myself from my corporate job in order to be able to eventually do that guide. I want to guide young men. I want to guide 14 year old, 15 year old, young men that were in the position that are in the position that I was. Yeah. They need it. I mean, all the the kids need it, you know, for sure. Um, And if we're going to, if our planet is going to survive with humans on it, it'll survive, but whether it's going to survive with humans on it or not, that's going to be down to us to do Um, as, as people now who've got the experience and can help other people, help younger people. If that's our calling, Personally, it's not my calling, but, you know, I can really see how even what what I do influences other people and they could then influence those yeah. kids. Um, you so, empower people to change other people's life. Yeah, if you exactly. may. I'm, I'm one step away from changing kids' lives. Although saying that, obviously, I've got my own child and I do like them. It's just not <laughs> <my son. laughs> yeah, they're OK. <laughs> they're all right. Eat them for breakfast. <laughs> It's, it is something that we're so backwards in our society to, we have no respect for elders, we have no respect for people that were there before. And we're so, we are so pretentious to believe that our generation is the smartest humans that ever lived. Yeah. This is what blows my mind. We read, as a general society, we read nothing about history. History is a hundred is a name. There's a principle that explains that history repeats itself every 80 to 120 years old. It's always, always the same thing as a cycle. It's mm-hmm. always like that, but we're too stupid to open a book and read what actually happened 80 years, a hundred years, a thousand years ago. We don't invent, we're no different than we were a thousand years ago when it comes to our simple, yeah, the technology is different, but 
the way we think or as a human being, we have the same brain. We have the pretty much the same body, yeah. but we are so stupid. We haven't evolved. Um, no. <laughs> we have devolved. If might you have gone me. a little bit the other way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but I just keep thinking this is all down to our own um, choice as a person. Okay. And it's, it's horrible and it's distressing to see what a lot of other people are doing. But mm. I always think if we can... <clears throat> um really get into our own power um however we do that we all do it differently as we've discussed if we can get into our own power and get that love vibration going then that is gonna um vibrate out into the world a lot stronger than than being pissed off about it or you know having opinions and all the other things that it's easy to have and that can make a bigger change that's my belief and it, it might only be a belief because it's something I feel I can do because I can't change other people, but I can change myself. And that makes me At feel... At the same time, you're making a great point. There's a, Do you know Dr. Greer? No. He's a, an American guy that he went on... Um, he, he got popular because he had a documentary that was exposing the lies of the government when it came to extraterrestrial life. Okay. Like he has a disclosure project that he calls it, where he has about 40 people from different ranks of military and governments. And they explain what they've experienced with uh, weird spaceship or ships visiting. But the point is that he's evolved to a theory where he says that if 10% of the people could change the way they think, the way they vibrate, yeah. and even better, if we would be able to somehow synchronize about 10% of the people to all vibrate, so all meditate at the same time, it only takes 10% to change the other 90%. Mm -hmm. That's his theory. And I love the theory. It makes sense to me. It speaks to me. I don't know if it's accurate or not. There's just one way to find out. But right, we, we could try it. Try it. Yeah. Try a little revolution. <laughs> I yeah, like revolutions. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's the Masaru Emoto books, the messages from water or messages with water books, and um, he's a Japanese researcher who now now has died, but he did thousands, thousands, and thousands of different experiments with. Um, saying or thinking or writing positive and negative words on water freezing them and then and then analyzing the crystals under a microscope and the positive ones made beautiful crystals and the negative ones made ugly crystals just to really simplify it, but if whoever's listening to this wants to look at that um the the crystals are, are utterly beautiful and it's an astounding massive experiment that he did over his lifetime now if if we're 70 percent water um having good thoughts is going to influence that what else is it going to influence around us you know because it wasn't the person being influenced it was something outside of them that was influenced yeah. um and you know i have heard about <laughs> I, I don't know if it's an urban myth or whether it's true but i heard that once there were some um bikers that had infiltrated a town in america and a load of people got together and meditated and they dispersed and I think when we, when people talk about meditation, as as we've done today, we don't we talk about it as a personal um, yep. thing, but actually the the actual power of positive thought and focused intention is so huge. It can change the world. 
Um, we just need to remember that we've got that power, which people are not told about for various reasons. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you say that because it's something that came naturally to me through meditation. I started, for lack of a better term, I started using, I love to meditate in the sun. I, I normally pick a window where the sun's shining through and I meditate while facing the sun. And it's like I channel the sun's energy through my third eye and I send it out to the world through my heart. It's something I've done for a very long time, just naturally. I don't know why, but it, I started doing that. Mm. And this is what it makes me think of what you're talking about, just to take something that's out there and just put positive thoughts outside just send all i'm thinking is i'll try to create a big love bubble yeah and if we all did that the bubble would yeah. join up and then things might be a little bit easier for all of us i mean you know people are talking about waking up but we haven't got this opportunity to wake up just so we can divide ourselves with opinions just so we can argue on the internet just so we can be angry at people in power you know, we've got this opportunity so we can we can create these beautiful, joyful, natural existences that are possible. And there are pockets of societies that have done it in the world. So it's proven that it's possible. And then the earth can repair itself. And now I sound like a complete hippie, which I am. Um, <laughs> but I really do believe we've got this opportunity. If we take it, if we go, right, I'm going I'm to switch on my, my love button today. And I'm going to catch myself when I'm having a negative thought. I'm going to breathe a few times if someone triggers me. And I'm going to send out positive intentions to the world, no matter what's happened to me, because we've all got pasts that, that we would have preferred not to have. And then it's we get those nice all being things. mindful. It's just yeah. about being mindful of your actions. Yeah. And I think one of the most important realization that I've had is to understand that my control is very limited i don't control people in traffic i don't control others like the external forces are not under my control but what do i control i control my emotions thus i control my reactions but that is all that is all the control that i have in my life is that me and how i affect the people around me that's under my control and that's a big enough practice for us to have for the rest of our lives. Yeah. We probably won't ever get it right, but we might yeah. refine it. And within that practice, we will discover so much about our own potential. And that's beautiful, you know, the fact that, because, yeah, we haven't evolved, but we also haven't accessed anything like what we are capable of doing as human beings. Wim Hof has proven that, you know, many people have proven that over time. We've, we've got to we've got to go we're more awesome than we were ever led to believe and i'm going to sit in my power now have you ever heard of a book called the, the rise of the superman no i'll just say no to everything that you're asking me <laughs> <laughs> it's because i'm a big fan of wim off i i i do the cold bath every now and then especially in the in like i live in the woods so i get access especially right now to uh, frozen lakes and the rise of the Superman is very interesting concept. He, he calls, he calls it the zone, if you may. And, you know, it's the way where you're, he follows very extreme um, sports, like sportsmen, like people that are going to go down unexplored Valley to go, uh, to go ski or hike super high mountains with literally no gear. 
And they talk about that moment where reality and your consciousness kind of connect and where nothing else matters than what you're doing at that present moment mm -hmm. because you could die. So yeah. all the rest has, there's, they put themselves in such a risky situation that in order for them to survive, they need to hit that little zone. And some of them are so good at it that they can stay there for hours at a time. Wow. It's crazy. I don't even understand how that's feasible, but they become addict. Unfortunately, they become addict to dopamine. That's the, so they, it's a vicious circle, but all to say that there is a way to kind of put yourself in a situation where you are, and that's going to sound cheesy, but you are one with everything around you. Yeah. Well, we've, we've obviously felt it with psychedelics. Yeah, I also absolutely. felt it when I was in hospital, you know, um, I, I, I surrendered. I didn't know if I was going to live or die. And I surrendered. I didn't have an out of body experience. I had no white lights, but my life has changed completely since that experience. I've decided to sell my beautiful eco home that's in a community. Um, I'm going to do something completely different with my life. And um, my whole business model has completely changed. And I've even just, I've gone through my whole wardrobe and, and thrown loads of clothes away. I've decluttered my whole house. I've just, I've, I haven't stopped moving and changing things since I came out of hospital. And I'm like, that wasn't an out of, that wasn't a near-death experience. But there was something, there was that place of being in nothingness for so long that my true path got revealed to me. And I couldn't help but listen to it and take action on it because it was a blessing that I got shown it at that time. Uh, I, I would disagree with you with saying that you didn't have a choice because everybody has a choice. And most people, unfortunately, would have got scared of what you saw and what it meant. Yeah, but maybe. congratulations <laughs> for you. Congratulations, though, for listening to it, because you would have been wrong and you would have known. Maybe you wouldn't have realized why, but you would have had a very unfortunate life afterwards. You wouldn't have felt yeah right and whatever you would have done i think so um because yeah. i've loved living <laughs> living where i live and my house is gorgeous and everything but i just felt immediately like right that's done now that part of my life is done this is my new life and it got shown to me really clearly um it, it wasn't like a vision it was very different it wasn't like an ayahuasca experience it was like something i've never known it was like standing in the middle of nowhere and seeing my new future nice so you surrender to it that's yeah that's beautiful absolutely beautiful yeah we uh we've been going for what 45 minutes now um <sighs> we're gonna have to redo this again because uh this went on way too fast um and we didn't I talk do... about anything <laughs> we talk about everything everything and nothing yeah the <laughs> There's one question I need to ask you before I let you go, though. Um, if you had the chance to speak to your 14-year-old self, what would you tell her? Um, oh, God, what would I tell her? Run away. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Getting out sometimes is what saves your life. <laughs> I agree. And your sanity. That's, yeah, I agree that's can save your life and open new horizons that's yeah. for sure yeah definitely 
<sighs> that was very interesting. I was not expecting this type of conversation at all. <laughs> Me neither. I thought we were going to talk about food. <laughs> Nothing mentioned about food. Nothing. Nothing at all. No. Nothing. Sorry. <laughs> uh, those are my favorite things. I never know where those conversations go. Yeah. Love it. Absolutely love it. I I want to thank you for your time. I hope you'll uh, maybe we should do a live like you thought it was, but we should uh, do a live next time. And but either way, I would love to speak to you again. Thank you very much for taking the time. This was great. Thank you. I'll I'll come on to anything you invite me to. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I'll remember that. But thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you. You too. Bye. <laughs>